No. Yes. Man, it works every time. Back to another episode of the Super Duper Flex Bros. I'm your host, Sam. Joined with me today is Levi, a.k.a. the Fantasy Nice Guy, here on Wednesday, April 27th, a.k.a. my uh, big brother's uh, birth date of his first child. So uh, I don't know her name yet, so I can't share that. But Tom originally was going to be joining us, but uh, she was born today. So congratulations, Tom. Levi, I know it's hard to follow that up, but how are you doing today? I'm good. I guess like, you know, your your newborn niece is like the only person that's more excited about the NFL draft. Like she had to like be present for this. Like she couldn't be born after. Like she's like, no, I got to see who gets taken 101. Yeah, she was like, I've heard all this garbage about the Panthers not taking Kenny Pickett at six. I want to be there to tell you guys, you guys are all fools for not believing that. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate you joining the show. We, um, we've been talking about doing another one of our breakdowns of one of our leagues. So this year we did um, another 14-man league to raise 700 bucks for a charity. That's going to go to the winner's uh, charity of choice. And then um, – with those 14 teams, I actually put together our Super Duper Flex Bros grading sheet that we've kind of talked about in the past on how we're going to rank these teams. So I put out the rankings and, of course, caused a lot of controversy. Uh, you and I uh, both made the top half, so I felt good about that. But I thought we could actually dive in deep, look at these teams, maybe give some assessments some trade um, suggestions, and then we can also um, – as we worked through the list of one through 14, we did a mock draft with Tom uh, yesterday before he went into the hospital. So we'll go ahead and uh, go through that mock of number one through 14 as well. So uh, any, any thoughts on these rankings or anything, Levi, before we jump in? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, have you talked about these rankings on the show before and how like you kind of break it down of why people are ranked where they are? Yeah, yep, it's a okay. it's a pretty harsh grading system, but yeah. yeah. Totally. Okay, I just want to make sure the audience had kind of like a preface for what's going on. So I I think it's a it's a pretty interesting take. I've never really seen rankings done this way and even though it might be simple, it's not overly complex. Like as someone who is a math major who had to do a lot of coding and stuff like that in college, you know, the, the, the KISS model of keep it simple, stupid definitely applies to a lot of things. And sometimes just looking at something that as simple as this, can you give you a pretty good idea? Um, I myself never care too much about what my starting lineup looks like before August, unless I think I'm a true contender and I can fill some holes early with some true veterans. That's when I try to care a little bit more. But I do think that there is a lot of focus sometimes, but uh, dynasty owners that are kind of just starting out. That they're like, oh my god, like my my running back two is not nearly as good as it should be. I should, you know, panic trade this rookie so I can go here. And it's there's so much that's going to change with free agency, the draft, training camp, depth charts, injuries. All of that is going to change a lot of stuff. So again, I try not to. I'm, I'm always looking to improve my team, but I'm never going to be someone that freaks out like, oh my god, my tight end is trash. I got to trade for Travis Kelsey. I have to trade the farm for him right now. So I have a decent team and I can hopefully make the playoffs and, and sneak into the championship. I'm, I'm never thinking that way. And again, I, I try to only focus once we really start to get close to the season of what my team looks like and what my true needs are, because it can change a lot over the season, especially if you're in an active league, you can be definitely be a lot of moving pieces. And now 
all of a sudden you thought you were a contender and now there's like three or four teams that are going all out that just have studs everywhere. And it's like, oh, well, I'm really glad I didn't trade for, you know, Elijah Mitchell before the draft because now his value's tanked and I would have lost value there. Or vice versa. Maybe a lot of people are kind of playing for next year, especially with those 2023 picks that are getting value. And maybe you didn't see your team as a contender. And now it's like, hey, I'm I'm a piece or two away from truly being one of the best teams in the league. Um, so, again, I, I like the model. I think it's pretty simple. I do think that me and you probably should be a couple spots up. But I understand. Um, and I think the only thing that I would probably change it, for this model is I think I would try to add some sort of upside component to it. Because I do think that anytime that you can involve tiers or ranges when you're talking about rankings and talking about team evaluations, I think that's really important. Because again, even though I let I think I have Antonio Gibson, and I have to check to see what his ranking is on Fantasy Pros, but let's say it's it's RB12. There's a world where he could go full Christian McCaffrey and be like a top four, top five running back. There's also a world where, because it's Washington talking to so many running back prospects in this draft, that he could finish as like running back 25. So I think like having accounting some sort of range um, for those players, I think would even just elevate this pretty simple system to a couple more notches. And I think you could really tell like, hey, if things really break it right for this team, they could truly win it all. Uh, and then you could see teams that also just have a wide range of, you know, they could be a top three team. They could also be one of the worst teams in the league. And maybe that's a team to target to try to trade and get that draft pick, especially if you're rebuilding. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if there's any specific team you wanted to talk about, but that was just kind of my overall thoughts on on the ranking system. Yeah, no, I appreciate your thoughts on it. And yeah, uh, keep it simple, stupid. That's that's one of uh, the things that I live and die by, both at work and when I'm doing fantasy football, because there's so many different things that, that you can do. And like you mentioned, adding some type of scoring system for like upside. And then you can look at like uh, your bench or your depth at certain positions. There's so many different ways to go about it. So it, when I do this breakdown, it, I do it just to kind of put out a more or less simple um, understanding of, of how I'd come up with this rating. But then I also actually use this model when I'm doing trades and when I'm assessing because I'm in so many leagues, I, I plug in all of my starting lineups into this model so I can see where I actually truly stand um, at quarterback or at wide receiver or whatever position I'm looking at upgrading from. And then that'll help me when, you, when you're talking about adding a first to, to upgrade or getting a, a couple of seconds or moving back from um, like you mentioned Antonio Gibson. So going from him to, Hunt. I just kind of do this so that I can I can look at okay if I take a step back at running back but I upgrade at quarterback how much is that going to increase uh, my quarterback position but then my overall team score how is that going to impact it too so um, but yeah I, I like the idea of getting creative and finding some other ways to to uh, really um, refine that value of what you're talking of, of uh, what your team looks like. But I think what we can do is we can just start with the number one team, uh, the number one graded team. And then we can also kind of review our mock draft from yesterday. So at number one with the mock draft, of course, we have Brees Hall. I don't think we need to spend too much time talking about Brees Hall. He's more or less the consensus 101. I think we're all just concerned about landing spot. Uh, but in less than 24 hours, uh, by the time that the show's released, we'll know exactly where he's at. 
Yeah, I guess my one question would be, Levi, if if there's one landing spot you don't want to see Brees Hall go to and you can't say the Jets, where else would you like to not, not see him land? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 I guess Washington, kind of what I alluded to before, just because they haven't bringing in a lot of guys to look at and maybe they just don't trust that Gibson is either the guy or if he can handle the workload because they did give them the ball quite a bit last year. Um, and it seemed like he did start to get some nagging injuries and he definitely had some the year prior. So I think if he went to Washington, he's not only is it going to bring his value down, it's also going to completely tank Gibson. And then you have once there, it, it would just be a weird situation. Um, yeah, I think, I think that would be like absolute worst case scenario. I still think I would take him probably top three, top four though. Like, I just don't see too many clear like absolute sub wide receivers. Um, I do think Malik Willis would go ahead of him too. You know, not not to kind of go too far into the draft, but just if you know worst case scenario, I think he's still a top five rookie pick, and then best case scenario, he he obviously stays a one. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I think Washington would be a pretty devastating landing spot too just knowing his ceiling is going to be capped with with the play of Carson Wentz too so our number one ranked team uh with these flex bro rankings we've got team Alpocalypse um so just a kind of the highlights of his team he was able to wait at quarterback and still pick up Stafford and Mac Jones and Superflex and then he's got a strong running back core Javante Williams Josh Jacobs and then wide receiver DK and AJ Brown should be staples of his team. And then uh, Darren Waller, yeah, I, I want to say he got him <clears throat> in like the fifth or sixth round. So overall, uh, coming out with the highest rank, he, I'd, I'd say he crushed this this uh, draft. Leo, did you have any thoughts on his roster or any of those players? I'm not crazy about the running back depth. I, I think Singletary could he could easily lose his job and his role. In Buffalo, I do think that the that the Bills take a running back at some point. As much as I would love for them to take Brees Hall early, I, I do think that they're probably more likely to take a Rashad White, a, a Tyler Algier, someone like that, either late day two or early day three. Um, I have to check when Waller was taken. Yeah, he was taken in the sixth round. That's right. I was just curious because I knew tight ends were flying off the board so early, so... Oh, that's right. Okay. So I took Elijah Mitchell two picks before then because I was like, man, sixth round. I definitely would have picked him if I fell over the sixth. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a solid roster. If he's going to get, if Petty can stay somewhat healthy, if Singletary can have some sort of role, he, he's obviously going to be the favorite. Um, got decent depth too on his bench. I, I There's there's definitely a reason why he's the number one according to your rankings for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've always got to like seeing those quarterbacks that aren't, at all uh nervous about losing their their starting job so you should feel secure with that so moving on to uh team number two we got team nine in the nub um and then our mock draft pick was willis so we went uh low upside with hall on his landing spot so we can go high upside um so besides the steelers where do you think the best landing spot for willis would be detroit like they have a lot of picks this year. I think that they could really turn this this team around pretty quick. Obviously, they don't have the wide receiver talent right now, but if I'm thinking long term because I if I'm a team and if I draft Willis in a rookie draft, I really don't want to see him play year 1. 
I do think that he needs to sit out. I do think he needs to learn. And so I think a place like Detroit where you have Goff, where as much as he, you know, makes has some flaws, obviously, to his game, I think he could teach Willis a thing or two out about being a starting quarterback. Him being coach under McVay as well, I think helps. And I also think that they would they would put weapons around him. Like Detroit is really set up to to be pretty well. So I maybe not like the first choice that a lot of people would think of as a good landing spot. But especially if he's picked top two or Detroit kind of trades back to eight, nine, or ten and getting that top ten draft capital just solidifies that he's gonna get, you know, two or three years to be the starter in the league. Yeah, I I love that call. I think that would be that would be good for Swift too. I think that offense would be some kind of hybrid of like the um the the McVay um passing offense. It just just because I think they've kind of had to baby Goff, so they've still kept some of that stuff in there. But then uh and I don't think they'd fully move away from that. But then obviously see something kind of like the Ravens with Malik Willis's upside. So it might uh, really kind of give us a, a whole new offense that we can get excited about. Um, so team number two was team nine in the nub. And lo- looking at their roster, they were able to cash out. We saw people trade in 2023 first and uh, getting a King's ransom and then some. So I want to say he got a third and a fifth round uh, startup for his 2023 first which I don't think is going to be a, uh, an early first, <clears throat> but he got Rodgers and Kara quarterback, running back. He's got Taylor and Zeke, uh, wide receiver, Chase and Lamb. And then tight end, he, he was able to squeeze in Pat Fryermuth, and then DJ Moore and Tyler Lockett at, uh, at flex. So uh, besides the, the age of the quarterbacks, do you see any issues with this roster? No, I and I think I actually prefer it over, uh, uh, I, I can't think of how to say his name, apocalypse yeah sorry i wanted to say apocalyptic uh i do think i mean zeke was the rb6 before i think it was week 14 it was when he had rumored to kind of get hurt and so if you literally just take his his first games you know and took out the games he was hurt he he was still a top 10 almost a top five dynasty running back or sorry dynasty uh running back on the season now i do think pollard has carved out a role for himself so i do think zeke is gonna be definitely in more of the rb2 range uh, with, with some RB1 weeks. But if he can get that kind of production, you have the number one running back uh, in fantasy. You have Jamar Chase, who put up a rookie year that was insane. You have CeeDee Lamb that should really have zero target competition, especially to start the year, unless I somehow draft Traylon Burks. Uh, I think we've both confessed some love for DJ Moore. And as much as we always want more for more, uh, he always finds a way to be a top 15 wide receiver on the season, even with no touchdowns. So having consistent wide receivers like that as well at your flex with the upside those other guys bring, uh, I love it. Uh, and yeah, I don't know how much you talked about on the show, but 2023 picks were crazy during this draft, during and before. Um, I know I think I traded mine for a fourth and a sixth, and then I saw that uh, nine and the nub got a third and a fifth, and then I think I went back and then traded my seventh and ninth round startup picks, which I think were two rookie picks. Uh, I think too late uh, first in this draft for 2023 first that has upside of being top five. So rookie picks 2023 first were crazy. Uh, I kind of kicked it off and then there was a kind of a a bell curve to it. But yeah, it was definitely, I have been in a lot of startup drafts. I've seen future picks and certain players kind of like fluctuating value. I don't think I've ever seen that big a fluctuation with future first though. 
this one this was like the bitcoin of 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 uh trades where it was yeah you you talk about uh a, a king's ransom i thought you pulled off a deal that was gonna make your team the most elite and then and then another team pulls one off where, where both those picks are a little bit earlier than the two you got and so then then i was like tom we gotta get in on this so so we we reach out and we couldn't get a, a third and a fifth. We couldn't get a fourth and a sixth, but we were able to get a sixth. So I was happy about that. Um, so yeah, I was as there's just kind of no rhyme or reason to it. Um, but you did mention Tony Pollard, and I didn't have this on the show sheet, but it, um, my brother and I actually have Tony Pollard. I am not a Tony Pollard believer, but he is. So it, can you explain to me why you think Pollard, Tony Pollard, isn't just going to be the next Chase Edmonds? what what yeah he's just he's just better a better running back in general as good as chase Edmonds wants to college as much as he's showing like flashes of what he can be like pollard has actually done it and he's done it over a kind of a season and a half now that and he's done it with limited touches like he if he gets even close to double digit touches a game he's gonna get double digit fantasy points and you know he, he breaks long runs he catches the ball He's just a very good modern day running back. Like if you put Pollard on the Niners, I, I'd be tempted to put him at like a top five, top six running back for this year. That like that's how much I like Pollard, and that's how good I think his ability is. Now I do think that the hits that the Cowboys have had on the offensive line are going to impact both the running backs. But at the same time, we we've seen Dak not run it as much since the injury. And so if it does lead to a couple more drop off or you know dump offs, obviously those are worth more fantasy points than if they just ran the ball. So it's going to be an interesting offense. There are going to be some growing pains. I do think that they're a team that we're going to expect them to, you know, put up 25 points per game, but I think they're going to be closer to like that 17 to 20 range to start the year and rely a little bit more on their defense until they figure it out, get Gallup back, develop some of their rookies. And then I think they'll get things figured out. Yeah, no, I I like it. I I was I was shocked. We've had multiple teams offer first round picks. I'm like Tom, we got to take this, and and he's saying no. Yeah, I I think if I was offered a 2023, I'd probably take it for Pollard. As much as Zeke could get moved on after this year, because I think this is like the last like true year of his contract where it's a big cap hit. Um, next year's running back class should be pretty darn good, and there are going to be wide receivers that get pushed up. There's there's already going to be two to three elite quarterbacks. I as much as B. John Robinson could be the 101, uh, Bryce Young is going to be right there. So if, if you can trade it for a pick, especially once we kind of get farther down this list uh, of one of those teams, I think I, I would definitely entertain the offer just because he is like the perfect running back that if you can trade a first for, I probably jump on as much as I like the upside, as much as they could really develop. It's just rare to see running backs not, to, to become RB ones if they weren't the first two or three years of their career. Like we've seen it a couple times. I, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, uh, maybe actor yeah. or uh, yeah. It, yeah. But you, you're right. It's going to be those outlier type type players. And that's kind of my thoughts on it too. So I know when I've held those types of players, um, like the, like Elijah Mitchell, um, players you might get in free agency or hit on in the third or fourth round of, of rookie drafts. I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to trade them. I think I was able to flip Chubba Hubbard when he was kind of at his, uh, 
at his peak. So I'd, I'd do some package deals with him to get a first. So th that's typically what I'm trying to do with those types of running backs, but I can totally see, I can see the upside on Pollard. So at this point, I think we're, we're stuck holding because when, when you call commission team, you can't, uh, you can't trade without getting the green light from both parties. So we can move on to uh, team number three. We had Bo Miller and Dinah Dusty. And then in our mock draft at pick number three, uh, Tom chose Kenneth Walker. So we've actually taken a uh, running back, a quarterback, and then another running back with Kenneth Walker. Um, Levi, did you have any thoughts on, on Kenneth Walker before draft day? Yeah, nothing too original. It's kind of what everybody's saying. He's He looks like an elite runner. Um, obviously, the pass catching is, is a big question mark. I It's funny because Michigan State's kind of notorious for not passing to the running backs, but they, they pass the ball in general a lot. So it is kind of interesting of why they didn't give more opportunities uh, for Kenneth Walker to do that. Um, but there's no reason that he can't find fantasy success as just a, you know, between the tackles runner. We've seen it with Chubb. We've seen it with Derrick Henry. And those are obviously kind of like the top echelon uh, options. But, you know, I think of him kind of as almost like a, a rich man, James Conner. James Conner wasn't a guy that was considered really a pass catcher. When he was coming out, but if you would have told me I get a more athletic and less injury prone James Conner, uh, and his prime right now, and if he lands in a decent landing spot, like yeah, it's worth taking a, a shot on for sure. Yeah, you mentioned Derrick Henry, and I, I was looking at this this team we're going to review in a second. They've got Tannehill, but I was thinking if if the Titans got Kenneth Walker in the second, or or somehow if he fell to the third, I think that'd be a really nice compliment to Derrick Henry. I think every year we're kind of trying to chase Derrick Henry's handcuff or his complimentary back. And whoever the running backs have been in the past, none of them have done a, a thing. So I think that'd be pretty cool because when you think of the Titans, they don't need to pass the ball to the running back a lot. It's just let's play action and taking those deep shots and, and uh, handing off the rock. So that, that could be an interesting fit. Um, so, so this team, uh, Dinah Dusty and Bo Miller, they've got Tannehill at quarterback which could actually quiet be a, quietly be a little bit concerning with it, that being the only starting quarterback, but they also do have Jordan Love, so they've got some future upside. So if I added that into the model, potentially this team could go up a little bit. Um, but he's got the Harris brothers with Najee and Damian Harris at running back, and then youth at wide receiver with Devonta Smith and Michael Pittman. And then you know I love his tight end and flex. He's got Kelsey and Pitts, and then Kareem Hunt, um, who Tom and I have talked about in a handful of shows, who's, who's really quietly been putting up RB1 production whenever he's been on the field the last couple of years. So I, I like the team. I think he's a, a big listener of the show. So he, he was stealing all the, all the players I would have been taking at that position too. So any thoughts on this roster, Levi? Yeah, this is definitely a tight ends matter roster for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't like the two tight elite tight end approach. I if he's able to trade one for kind of the value that where he drafted it, where he drafted either one of them in the startup draft, I like it. But I think by kind of doing the strategy, you're leaving yourself pretty vulnerable running back because, you know, Ramondre Stevenson looked pretty good down the stretch and Damian Harris, he had, I think 18 rushing touchdowns last year. So just, I, I got to see some uh, progression on that. Only having the one quarterback and the Titans being rumored to possibly draft a, a Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral kind of towards the end of the first also makes me nervous. I think this is 
a much more fragile roster than what it appears on paper. Um, and again, with love as well, I, I don't know. Like, I just think there's a reason why the Packers have re-upped this deal with Aaron Rodgers, and like, there hasn't been much, you know, trade talk about with love either. Uh, maybe that could change over this weekend, and maybe he can get an opportunity because we just haven't seen him that much. And yeah, and just kind of looking at his bench too, there's not too many guys where I'm like, oh, like that's that's a really good depth piece to have. And this is a 14 team league, so it's hard to have any decent players on your bench. But I, to be honest, this team is like one to two injuries away from being the 101 next year. So I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you're listening to the show and I'm kind of hitting on your team. But I'm just if this was my dynasty team, I'd be very nervous because I'm like, do I try to trade some future picks and, and go all in? Or am I like going the other way? Because I feel like the most likely scenario that this team kind of is in limbo and, and kind of finishes the middle of the pack. And then maybe they, they don't have the, the weapons to kind of continue. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting quad, uh, squad for sure. Uh, I, I'm not trying to underestimate the, you know, the power that Kelsey and Pitts can have at your tight end and your flex. But I, I like Pittman. I like Harris. I, those are really good guys. Uh, I think Tannehill is still a sneaky guy with some upside, but yeah, he's, I'd feel a lot better if he had a second quarterback too, for sure. Yeah, all I heard from your breakdown of this roster, Levi, is, is that you waited on tight end. <laughs> I did. When we did the startup and, and now, and now you're trying to sell the, these guys on trade. No, 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 listen, if they, if they no, want no, I, to, they I, can, I, but I, man, I, like the, I can't, <laughs> I just couldn't believe how high tight ends were going in this league. Cause I, I think I asked in the chat too. I was like, wait, I was like, do we have like bylaws? Like, what are the scoring settings? You're like, no, it's just it's just normal scoring. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. That's now I know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, of course. Yeah. If you listen to a lot of my shows, I, I talk about how these these elite tight ends they really retain value pretty much as long as these elite quarterbacks do too. So even with this particular team, if they do um, find themselves with kind of some injury issues, I think that they'd still be able to flip. Uh, Kelsey for a quarterback and probably another nice piece or having having Pitts too. Uh, we saw Pitts going as early as the 101 in a handful of leagues last year, even without the tight end premium. So I think as soon as Pitts is producing with, with whatever quarterback he is under, cent, under center, I think you could still get like a, a Mike Gusecki as a throw-in for, for Pitts and then also get a couple of first round picks or a, a couple of pieces just to, to kind of help stabilize the roster. So I, I get it, but that's, that's been my strategy that I've used in the past, but I understand the, 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 the thoughts of kind of the older quarterback and lack of depth. Um, let's see. So team number four, we've got Jay Lindsay and then our mock draft at number four, I made this pick. I took, uh, Chris Olave, which I know that's going to be a lot higher than most people have him, but I actually have him ranked as my uh, number one wide receiver coming into this class. I think there's he's going to be uh, landing spot proof, except if he goes to Philadelphia, which I know that's one of the teams he visited. So I'm a little nervous he might go to Philly uh, just because of obviously the recent track history. But even if he goes to Philly, then that almost guarantees I'll be able to get him at the end of the first. But I think just what he's been what he's been able to do over there in his college career, he's he's just going to be able to come in and be a day one starter, uh, both for the NFL and your uh, dynasty teams. Did, did you have any thoughts on Olave? Yeah, I, I think he's overall a very solid prospect. And I think that he, he could have came out last year, but with 
not playing as many games as he wanted to, having a true chance to to make a shot at a national championship, you know, run. I I definitely understand why he went back to school, and he also played with some amazing wide receiver talent. Um, so I you can even it's kind of crazy he put up their production. I think he's Ohio State is receiving yard leader or like receiving touchdown leader all time. Which if you think about kind of some of the guys that have come out, especially in recent years, that, that's pretty impressive. You know, I'm not trying to knock him too much for not being an early declare. I do think he's a solid athlete for sure. I just am somewhat worried that he, I, I don't, especially with the rumors, the Eagles, like I, I just, I'm getting some sort of like bust vibes and I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, trash on your boy or anything, but I just, I'm a little nervous. I would still definitely take him kind of like, uh, late first round for sure. If he was available, don't get me wrong, especially if he gets that first round draft capital. I'm just, I just think Garrett Wilson, his teammate is a little more safe. I think he's a little more like NFL prototype wide receiver, but he could easily, uh, Olave be kind of like, uh, somewhere between a rich man's Jarvis Landry and a poor man's Keenan Allen. I think he can be somewhere in that range. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, th- I think that's a great comp. And yeah, both those guys, when you think about them, they're, they're able to win in space. And I think that's, what's going to make Olave such an elite wide receiver. Cause I think he's going to present a lot of those really easy layup targets for uh, a young quarterback. And then if he goes to a dream landing spot, like the chiefs, uh, then he's just going to use his deep threat skills and then um, obviously make some big plays that way too. Um, so speaking of Mahomes, so team number four, we got Jay Lindsay. I think he traded up to get the 101. Or no, I, mean, I think he's at the 102. <clears throat> so we saw Mahomes got the 102. Um, but his roster consists of Mahomes and Cousins at quarterback, Chubb and Mixon at running back, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Amon Ross and Brown at wide receiver, Kaseki at tight end, and then CEH at um, for one of his flex, and, and then a little weaker at his other flex with, with Curtis Samuel. Um, I don't know about you, but I've definitely given up any hope for Curtis Samuel, uh, unfortunately for him. So, But overall, all, all the other players obviously look very good on that roster. Do you, you have any thoughts on this roster? I think this is a roster that should be trading for uh, one of uh, Bo Miller's, uh, either Pitts or Travis Kelsey, especially the Kelsey with the, with the Mahomes stack. I think this will probably be one of Kelsey's last few elite years. And so if, if he can, yeah, package some future picks with, I mean, even like a Dalton Schultz, I prefer Dalton Schultz over Mike Kosecki. So I think if he could package Schultz a 2023 first for Kelsey, I, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. And I think it would make him a little bit more of a contender. I am nervous with Kosecki just because he finally had, I, I would say a true breakout year last year. And now they've added Tyree kill to the offense. Um, they also, who else did they sign? I want to say Zay Jones, but that's not it. Um, I'm blanking on the other wide receiver that they signed, but there's, there's a lot more target competition now. And so I, I'm just not that confident that Kaseki will be more than kind of like 40, 50 yards. And then you hope for a touchdown kind of player. Uh, one of those kind of like annoying mid tight end one to, you know, late tight end one guys that we get every year. Um, I kind of agree with you about Curtis Samuel. Unfortunately, I, I think his upside was really there, but between injuries and being on a bad offense as his career, I just think that the ship has kind of sailed. And I'm not that high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm really not. I think Kansas City is a sneaky team that could draft a running back as well. And, you know, I guess this is kind of his last year to prove that he can 
kind of manage the workload, but Kansas City kind of showed you in the playoffs when they kind of distributed the touches and gave more work to McKinnon that the games that were truly mattered, CEH was not a guy that they're giving the rock to a lot. So, uh, but overall, this is a very solid team. And if they can upgrade that tight end or get a couple more kind of like solid baseline guys at, at their flex, I mean, Jalen's going to be tough to take down. Yeah, no, I, I, I like it. And he actually won. This is our third um, Super Duper Flex Bros Dynasty League where we raise funds for charities. And Jay Lin- Lindsay won both of our leagues last season. So he's going to try to go three of three. So he's definitely a contender. So at number five in the mock draft, we saw Garrett Wilson go. And then our number five industry league grade is Team Hoosh. Uh, you've mentioned Garrett Wilson. You, you like him over Olave. I, I think that's kind of the consensus. Uh, what what would be your dream landing spot for for Wilson? Uh, um, well, I I definitely want him to have like top fifteen, top twenty draft capital. So as much as I would like to say like Kansas City or Green Bay, I think those are kind of like obvious landing spots that I don't want to throw out there. Uh how about? That's a tough one. Do you do you have an ideal landing spot for him? Because I, I guess for me, he he's such a safe prospect that I've only really focused on the negative ones. I'm like, okay, don't go to the Jets. I don't want you to go to the Falcons because even if they tank this year and get Bryce Young next year, it's it's still a whole year you got to wait on that production. Um, I guess I would say probably the most ideal landing spot would probably be the Chargers, which again I feel like it's kind of another one of those cop out answers. You know, anytime you mention the Chargers, Bills. Packers or Kansas City getting a wide receiver like you get excited but I do think that he would have a role with the Chargers right away I think that he could learn a decent amount from Keenan Allen about you know because Keenan Allen I still think is one of the best if not the best wide receiver about creating space off the line of scrimmage so I think if he can kind of continue to perfect that running crisper routes learning from a guy like Keenan Allen and being on a Super Bowl contender I and tied to Justin Herbert for you know at least the beginning part of his career I, I would probably go that route so I, I think one other potentially actually really good landing spot could be the Giants. They've got a couple of early picks, and I think basically Shepard's going to be – he's closer to retirement than than he is his rookie season. Um, and I, I think – I don't know what Galladay's contract is, but if they have an out, they're going to take it as soon as they can, whether that's in a year or two. Um, and then he, I think Tony's doing everything he can to, to burn that bridge. So he, I think Wilson could get drafted. And this could kind of be like when AJ Brown was drafted by the Titans where you're like, Oh, this is just such a bad spot because of the quarterback play and the offense and everything. But it, let's say Wilson goes to the giants early and then the giants have a, a terrible season, but, but Wilson's able to kill it with volume. And then the giants get one of those elite quarterbacks. They've been, they've been waiting for Feel, feels like an eternity ago that they, they finally let Eli retire. Uh, but I, I would actually love to see Wilson in uh in the big blue uniform and then see see the giants take a good quarterback the following year um when they don't pick up daniel jones as the option uh but that's that's the closet giants fan in me speaking so uh who knows if that'll actually happen but uh team number five in these ranks we had team hoosh and uh they went with the trey lance and garoppolo stack at quarterback so they know they have at least one starter this season uh, running back, they got the little receiving guys with Eckler and Jones, uh, wide receiver Cup and Hopkins, 
George Kill at tight end to catch uh, passes from at least one of those quarterbacks. And then a little bit older with Julio in the flex and then Fournette. Uh, and any thoughts on this roster? I really like this roster if they could somehow get Julio out of flex just because I, I do think that he has kind of fallen into that Andre Johnson career arc where he's kind of hit a wall and I think he's he's just done, unfortunately, which is always unfortunate when you see a future Hall of Fame wide receiver like Julio kind of hit that wall, but that's what it appears that happens. Um, obviously, there is concern with only having the one quarterback um, and not much depth at running back or wide receiver that you feel that confident about. I do like Tim Patrick on his bench. I do like Chase Claypool. So I guess wide receiver isn't too bad, especially if you throw Claypool in there instead of Julio. Um, I do think Fournette is a pretty sneaky value. I've actually sent uh, Hosh uh, two trade offers, and I think they both involve Leonard Fournette and Elijah Mitchell, some sort of exchange with some other players involved, because I do think that Fournette could be a guy that, even though he's older, I think he could still put up one, if not two more RB1 seasons, assuming that he stays with the Bucks and Brady stays with the Bucks. I, I do think that he could kind of continue to be that guy. He has battled some injuries in his career, but... I don't think that there's anything that he can't overcome. And I think, you know, having somebody like Brady who's stayed healthy his, his entire career and knowing that, you know, a Super Bowl could be on the line. And once he kind of leaves Tampa Bay, possibly get, you know, grab some more money before he retires. I do think he is kind of a sneaky buy in Dynasty. So, yeah, I, I like this team, um, especially if Jimmy gets traded somewhere. I think it's it might be a top three team in the league to me right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that strategy too. If yeah, if Garoppolo is to go to like the Panthers or something, you could easily piece together a high-end QB two season with all those weapons, and then and then obviously you've got Trey Lance who's got QB one upside just with the rushing, and then being plugged into that offense too. So yeah, I agree. I think this is actually quietly a really good team. Um, so mock draft we had at pick number six we had Kenny Pickett, and then industry grade we had the flex bros so tom and i uh, real quick on Pickett. i think a lot of people do think he's going to go to the panthers and i think the panthers are in a position where they have to make that pick uh just just with all the the goofy stuff they've done the last few years and then that that interview last week where they accidentally named darnold the starting quarterback uh, and the, the fact that they actually went out to to say oh sorry that was a mistake uh, just just goes to show that they don't want to pump up Sam Darnold anymore and and try to make him think that he's going to be the starter. So I think they I think they uh, draft Pickett and then they trade Darnold for whatever they can if they have the opportunity to. So then with uh, it being my team, let me actually. How about you put my team under the microscope and and uh, you, you tell me and Tom where we did well and where we screwed okay. up. And don't, don't hold for back. sure. Uh, so you have Lamar Jackson at quarterback and all you have right now is his backup, but I do have to mention that you do have the one-on-one. So Malik Willis is definitely a candidate for you. Um, especially depending on, you know, wherever Brees Hall lands. So do if that, if you do go Willis, obviously you, there's a chance he doesn't start this year. So makes your team a little rocky for this year, but Keenan Allen, Chris Godwin, a wide receiver, Montgomery and Sanders, I think are both kind of underrated running backs that they, they might not get a huge second contract, but they're going to stay in the league. And I think that they, especially with, I think being a contract year for both of them, they're going to have every incentive to try their best, stay healthy, be on the field. So I, I don't mind that running back core 
actually, especially for the price where you got him. The Mark Andrews stack, I, I do think you took him a little early, uh, but I also think he's the tight end one in Dynasty, even over Pitts. Uh, just because, I listen, as much as I love Pitts and his talent, I Atlanta has to figure it out first. <laughs> they, they really do. Like, if they... There, there's a world where they somehow luck into winning four or five games and they're not in the top quarterback sweepstake or maybe they're too stubborn to trade up. So the Pitts future being in question, I just can't put him at tight end one until he, you know, A, catches more touchdowns and B, gets closer to that 12 to 1300 yard mark. So I do love him. Uh, so so my, my argument with uh, Mark Andrews going over Kyle Pitts is, it, I understand that age difference of, I think it's like four or five years, but if you also look at dynasty rankings, a lot of us have Cooper cup inside the top five. Um, again, one of my favorite players, but if you compare him to a guy like CD lamb, there's what like a five, six, seven year age difference between them. So I don't think we can necessarily just use age as that determining factor. And then when we see these elite tight ends producing at that level into their early to mid thirties, Mark Andrews currently, I believe, 26. I mean, we might see him be the tight end one the next six, seven, eight years. And if that's the case, I don't think we want to um, just take Kyle Pitts over him just because Pitts has that ceiling where we've seen Mark Andrews do it. And he's really come out of the gate strong since year two. And most of these elite tight ends, they break out after 3.2 seasons. So the fact that Mark Andrews did it his second season where he wasn't even the first tight end drafted in his class by his team. I I think that's all the more reason to to value him as the tight end one in dynasty. So sorry for jumping in there, but I I, I appreciate uh, having somebody on the Mark Andrews side with me. No, no worries. Anytime you got to talk about your boyfriend, Mark Andrews, you just jump in. Uh, you also have TJ Hawkinson as one of your flex. So you're one of those teams that did draft two elite tight ends, which again, with how early they're drafted, I don't, I don't mind seeing it now that there are multiple teams and just how this league is set up. Usually I'd be like, I wouldn't waste that much draft capital on two tight ends, um, especially since it's not tight end premium. But again, if they're going to have value in this league, and that's what's so important that a lot of young dynasty uh, owners don't understand is you you might be crazy high on, especially like let's say a guy like Brandon Ayuk right now, especially with the Debo rumors. You might think he's a top like five or 10 dynasty wide receiver. But if your league only values him as like a wide receiver three um, and he's on your roster and you're like, Oh, I'm going to try to flip him right now for some other assets. Like it's, that's all about knowing kind of your league and who they value. Um, so I, I don't mind Hawkinson there at all. We already talked about Pollard. I think he is a phenomenal flex option. And then another sneaky one a guy that just resigned with the Broncos, Melvin Gordon. Uh, so I, I really do like your team. I will say as long as you can kind of get that steady production from Montgomery, if Sanders can stay on the field and, Again, with this whole second quarterback situation, either if you flip the 101 for starting quarterback plus, or if you do take Willis and maybe he starts year one, uh, you at least have some flexibility going into the draft, which a lot of dynasty owners underrate. Like flexibility is huge. That the fact that you're able to either you know trade up or down, acquire this asset or this, I, I think is really good because besides quarterback, like you don't really have any other needs. Um, may, like maybe running back depth. I'm I'm kind of like nitpicking now. Uh, I mean, wide receivers seem pretty solid. I love that Brandon Cooks is on your bench too. I think he's another solid guy. So yeah, the fact that you have all these players and you have the 101, the 103, and the 113, I I like your team a lot, actually. So, Well, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And 
Uh, that was the one decision we made. I think in, in the early third of the startup, that's where Tom and I reached on that 101. And it wasn't because we had anybody in particular that we loved, but it was just having that flexibility because we took Mark Andrews in the second. So, so we knew we were either going to be weak at our second quarterback or we were going to be weak at running back. So we just kind of let the draft come to us. Um, so very much overreached on that 101. I think if if you had to plug it in value wise, it's probably more of like a fourth or a fifth, maybe like a late fourth round startup pick. Um, but just being able to get that flexibility, that's that's why we we dove in for it. So you're you're too kind with your kind words uh, about about our team. So I'll I'll try to be equally nice uh, checking out your. Oh no, I, you I can try my team apart. It doesn't matter. Um, real, real quick, kind of going back to the reach out for that one on one. If if Brees Hall does land in a pretty solid uh, landing spot, and you guys can figure out quarterback, I know at least according to player profiler, Brees Hall is already a top five dynasty running back according to them. So it might not have been as a reach like you think it was. So at least according to some ranking services. Well, well just between you and me, and then anybody else listening to this, the, the, our plan has always been to take Brees Hall. 101 just because I think he is going to be the safest prospect but then we have the 103 and the nice thing about that flexibility too or at least we convinced ourselves the nice part of that flexibility is then that ensures it would be Malik Willis uh, or Kenny Pickett and we actually Tom and I we both kind of seen some flashes out of Pickett that we like and if he's taken as the first quarterback he's going to be playing um, as a starter for at least the next year or two. And if he goes to the Panthers, that's going to be a, a pretty nice offense just with those pieces. And then obviously if we were to take Malik Willis, he's, he's got that Lamar Jackson upside. I, I do think um, we don't want to put him at, at that ceiling. Yeah, I, he, he's kind of a mix of Jameis Winston and Jalen Hurts in my opinion, but I think he's going to be a little bit more accurate than Jalen Hurts, um, which isn't saying a ton. So He's definitely not a safe pick, but yeah, that was kind of the flexibility that we were looking at with that 103. Um, but yeah, don't be shocked if we do take Brees Hall 101. <clears throat> um, so at team number seven, we have yourself. And then mock draft number seven, we had uh, Drake London. Um, you and I were kind of talking about Drake London earlier, so we don't have to spend too much too much time talking about London. Um, but I do think whichever team takes him, he's probably going to slide in as the one right away. So you have to like at least the volume that's going to come in. Um, but let me pull up your team here. Did did you have any thoughts on London that you wanted to get after your chest? Uh, no, I'm pretty much everything we already said. Um, I I understand that there are some people out there that fear that he could be like closer to an Akil Harry prospect just because he doesn't separate nearly as well and he kind of wins more in the contested catch area. Uh, but I will say he played with some pretty talented wide receivers at USC and he outproduced them when he was younger and he's still really, I think he's 20 years old right now. So the, I think he has the highest upside of any wide receiver in this class. Um, but his floor is a little bit lower than probably like an Olave than a Wilson. Um, his floor is probably right there with Traylon Burks, I would say. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a fair assessment. So looking at your team, I, I will give you equal equal kudos as you're given our roster obviously starting off quarterback at Kyler and Hertz um, you've got two guys that could be the QB one any given week and probably finish as a QB one more often than not uh, running back 
you got Kamara uh, because of his off-field issues. So I think, did you get him in the fourth or the fifth? I think I got him in the fourth. I know. And then he dropped. So that's that's really nice value there. Uh, just with how quiet things have been with him, I don't think we're going to have to worry about him being suspended for an entire season or, or anything like that or facing jail time. It, these are the types of things that just kind of uh, slowly go away. And it, we saw this with the Tyreek Hill thing, too, a number of years back. And I forget what the other player's incident was after, but it's almost like these players, it they'll, they'll do something, and, of course, it's egregious, and we're all upset about it. But then as soon as a different player has another issue come up, that's what gets the spotlight. And then all of this kind of gets handled on the back end. So I think that's going to be what happens with Kamara. And then maybe in 2023, we're like, oh, yeah, Kamara has to have that <clears throat> that two-game suspension for the incident in Vegas. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if Kamara didn't even miss any time this season. Um, so wide receiver Deontay and Higgins. Deontay is, is quietly a wide receiver one. And in the, the NFL. And uh, it's, it's, it's tough uh, for me to acknowledge that because I, I just keep waiting for this guy to fall off and he hasn't. And the fact he was so productive with big Ben last season uh, just shows how safe he is. And obviously T Higgins is amazing. And then at flex, you got Amari Cooper, uh, which is pretty good if you're flexing him. Um, if, if he's not even your, one of your top two wide receivers and then Elijah Mitchell as San Francisco's bell cow. So at tight end, that, that's the only area you're, you're weak at with Gronk if he doesn't come back. Um, but obviously, if he comes in this season, you're going to be just fine. But I did notice you had Okawebenam uh, on the bench, and he's got some upside with, with Russell Wilson. I, I don't think he's going to have a huge season just because Russell Wilson doesn't rely on tight ends like other quarterbacks do. But overall, I'll, I'll give you an A on this. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you and I probably need to move our teams up the rankings a little bit here. I appreciate it. Um, I also just just kind of like your team. Not, not to boast about mine, but I I kind of do really like my my depth that I have too. I think Jacoby Myers and Alan Lazard are kind of sneaky wide receivers that I think, especially with fourteen teams as deeper rosters as we have, those guys are going to have some pretty significant value in season. Um, I was able to acquire Mark Ingram too, kind of in those later rounds as well. So if there's a suspension. You know, unless the Saints draft somebody, I think they are going to rely on Mark Ingram just because he knows the offense. I don't think they're going to switch too much from what uh, Sean Payton did last year, especially at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, once they get a little bit into it, they'll, they'll kind of move at their own pace. What do you think about Taysom Hill? Because I, I drafted him thinking he could be, you know, this, you know, emergency quarterback situation if something ever happened to Hurts or Kyler. But now it sounds like he's moving over to a tight end. Do you... Are you interested? Are you curious? Do you think it's just kind of like uh, he's going to be a guy that gets, you know, four or five gadgety touches a game? Kind of curious what you think about him. Yeah. So my brother, actually, he he looked into Taysom Hill, I think about a month ago, and he presented an, an argument for why Taysom Hill needs to be rostered everywhere as a tight end. Because at this point, if you're in an Adam, Adam Troutman, I, I think it's it's okay to let him go if if he was going to have any flashes of production, it would have been last season when there's absolutely no healthy wide receivers on that depth chart. And Troutman just didn't do anything. I think he even fumbled the ball once or twice when they're kind of trying to, to force him to be a part of the offense. So I think Hill's going to be on the field the majority of the time as a tight end. But one other thought that I had had was if we do see Kamara, if, if he actually does have a suspension, 
we could actually see Taysom Hill play a little bit um, more of like a gadgety role, almost as as a running back, just because they couldn't give all those touches to Mark Ingram or their third or fourth string running back. So I, I think he's going to present a lot of upside, and you could do a lot worse uh, with with a player that you have to plug in at the tight end position. So I I think he's super interesting. I don't think that we're going to see him take any of those quarterback snaps anymore. Um, but I think all the other things that he does well, they'd be more than happy to to get him on the field to contribute. Yeah, I agree. I think the only uh, snaps he might get as quarterback, if it's like a direct snap, like close to the goal line, or if it's like a short yard situation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say he's thrown his last pass attempt uh, in the NFL, but if he throws even 10 more pass, passes in his career, I'd be pretty shocked. Um, so at number eight, so now we're at the back half of the league. Um, we had team Cody Hunter. And then um, the mock draft, we saw Traylon Burks, number eight overall. Um, I've seen a lot of t- people hoping that he somehow falls to the Packers. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that would be a, a pretty interesting landing spot. Um, but moving on to Cody Hunter's roster, <clears throat> I when I look at this roster, this is why I love playing dynasty with, with new teams. So I met to, uh, Cody this last year and um, him and I just hit it off right away. Cause we were both playing dynasty. So I was telling him about the show. So I was like, Hey, we, we got to get you in a, one of these leagues. So he actually played in our 32 man guillotine league um, that we, we used to raise funds for Mike Taglier and his family's GoFundMe page. Um, so shout out Cody for winning the 32 man guillotine league. Um, but with his, his roster, he's, I think he's been playing dynasty for a couple of years, but so he just kind of went off of his own rankings. So he went and took Trevor Lawrence in the first round. Um, I, I think as a top eight or a top pick. Um, but then he took Tua on the way back at running back. He's got Derek Henry, Michael Carter, uh, wide receiver, Debo and Terry McLaurin tight end. He's a Philly fan, so he went with Dallas Goddard. And then at flex, he's got James Robinson and Kadarius Tony. So what I like about this roster is a lot of these guys are probably low-end ones in their respective category, uh, but they could all uh, take a step forward and I think gain gain dynasty value. Maybe not Debo because he's being valued borderline uh, top five, um, but Terry McLaurin, he's, he's the guy that I've called to be kind of the next Stefan Diggs or the next Cooper Cup, where just based on volume, he's he's probably going to step in and he could be a top five wide receiver by the end of the season. And we're all just going to say it was so obvious it was right there in front of us, um, but he just needed that quarterback change. And um, so I, I like a lot of the players on, on his roster. So I see what, why he's ranked at where he is, but I think we could see Tua move up. We could see Trevor Lawrence obviously move up. Uh, Michael Carter, I'm not a huge fan of, but I know the volume should be there. And if he increases his production a little bit as a as a rusher, I, I think I think this could be a contending team. Yeah, I, I do think it's kind of one of those teams that's going to go one direction or the other. I, I don't think they're going to stay at this eighth ranking, kind of like middle of the league. I think that either going to see a step up from Lawrence, Henry stay on the field, you know, uh, McLaurin probably playing with his best quarterback this career. I'm not saying too much for wins, but it is it is an upgrade. Um, obviously two is probably the one that gained the most value uh, out of the guys that we're talking about right now, just with the addition of Tyree kill, you know, the offensive line, I think, um, 
who did they get from the Saints? I can't think. Tron Armstead, I think, was a huge upgrade that not a lot of people are talking about. It's giving him more time in the pockets, kind of uh, almost like the time that he had at Alabama. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not. I'm pretty concerned with James Robinson, Kadarius Tony as his flex. Kind of looking at his bench. I think you know Benjamin's kind of sneaky. Parker with New England, maybe. I feel like his has always been off the field. So if he can kind of, you know, quote unquote, learn the Patriot way and kind of get towards that, maybe he could be okay. Uh, Rondo Moore, he should have a role in the offense for the Cardinals. Um, so we'll see about him. Uh, it looks like he does have the the last pick of the first round of the rookie draft as well. So I, again, I, I think this is a team that could go one direction or the other. I, I love it, the starting lineup except for the, the flex spots, um, which again, we talk about 14 teams. You're talking about deep starting rosters like this. It's hard to really have some guys like that. But you know, if he can get some production from Cedric Wilson or you know, if Anthony Schwartz can produce now if you know Watson doesn't get suspended there's there's a couple of guys on this team or you know if he gets early production from that last pick in the first round of the rookie draft that could really turn this team into a team that you know before this you're like oh you didn't think it was a legitimate threat but could easily be one of those top teams in the league yeah and even with it being a 14 team league having that 14th rookie pick just having the one uh 14 just seeing that number one uh you, that's going to hold some value. So he could probably even package that with an, another piece. If you wanted to trade to somebody that might have multiple 23 first, if, if uh, they're seeing one of those players, they like, if there's a David bell or a wide receiver that just isn't being respected. If, if there's a team out there that wants to not wait until 2023, just, just having that one in front of that pick makes it so much more valuable. So good, good for him for being able to squeeze up one of those first rounders that we were drafting. So at number nine, uh, as we, we work through the list, we've got Jameson Williams taken in our mock draft. And then at number nine, we've got the gridiron. So Jameson Williams, I, I, I don't know if a lot of people will care for my take on him, uh, but I actually don't think he's a can't-miss prospect. I think there's a couple of really good landing spots, of course, if he was to get to the Chiefs or if he was to get to the Packers. But I think there's actually a, a majority of teams that, uh, he could land on where it's just not going to turn out. I, I, I know him and Ruggs both played for Alabama and they had, they, they've got their other off field stuff. I, I don't think Jameson had anything off field, but Ruggs certainly did. But I, I'm, I'm a little nervous about Jameson Williams. If he's not on one of those top 10 offenses, I'm probably not going to have any exposure to him. Is Do, do you, do you, uh, feel the same way or are you higher on Jameson Williams than me yeah I'm probably a little bit higher on him uh obviously the ACL injury you do kind of worry that it zaps some of his explosiveness um or at least how quickly can he kind of go back to what he was before um but I, I just think he was a completely different player than what Henry Ruggs was like Jameson Williams was used kind of around, around the line of scrimmage comeback routes yeah he'd run some deep routes too uh, but I think his you know his yards per catch uh, his air yard share, I think all those kind of advanced metrics really show that he was a truly a pretty good prospect. And, you know, even though he did transfer, I mean, you look at Ohio State's wide receiver core, they're going to have – he he transferred because there's three future first-round picks that he was playing with at that time as well. And at that point, it's kind of like you're, you're kind of getting nitpicky of who's getting play in time and who's not. Um, so I'm pretty high on him. Obviously, it's going to kind of come down to draft capital. Um, I, it seems like he's almost a slam dunk to go in the first round. I do fear that he is going to be one of those teams. Like he's kind of one of those guys getting buzzed that could go to the jets. Um, he could potentially go to even uh, as high as like probably the Falcons. Um, 
so yeah i, I think it's just going to come come down to, to draft just like with a lot of things landing spot and where he's taking the draft but i do think he is a safer guy because even though he's you he probably would have been the fastest wide receiver in this class he's not just straight line speed like he has more control of his body he he can um run better routes than what we saw and even henry ruggs i don't think was really that bad he was just kind of put in a bad situation he wasn't used that correctly i do think there was a world where you know if henry ruggs you know off the field wouldn't have happened if he would have been on a better offense i do think we could have saw more from him um but i'm not oh yeah i I, I totally agree, and that's 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 exactly my point. I think if Jameson Williams falls into a spot like Henry Ruggs, then I think it could just totally kill his his NFL career. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna be scared anytime that like a fast wide receiver lands with an organization that doesn't have the best track record of how they use their wide receivers. I'm definitely gonna be skeptical, but I think there's a lot more spots where he's gonna shine versus that. If you want there, his value is just gonna be zapped. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with that. So, um, so our number eight team, or sorry, number nine team, Team Gridiron, they had that lucky 101 startup pick. So they went with the QB1 in Josh Allen, and uh, they got to couple him with Justin Fields. So that, that could prove to be um, a really nice, probably our, our highest QB duo here in, in this league. Um, and then running backs, you got Akers and Edmonds. Wide receivers Jefferson and Mike Evans, tight end Noah Fant, and then at, at flex pretty strong with Michael Thomas and Allen Robinson. So something I like about this roster is he's got the young quarterbacks, but then he's got a core of proven uh, strong veteran wide receivers. So if he squeezes out a couple more wide receiver one seasons out of Mike Evans, uh, Michael Thomas, or Allen Robinson to go with Justin Jefferson. Uh, I, I think he's going to see uh, himself making the playoffs more often than not. He, obviously, <clears throat> a little weaker at running back with Akers and Edmonds. I'm not a Chase Edmonds guy, but I could see where, where he could be a weekly starter and, and give you some production. So, um, But we have to talk about the tight end position, too, with Noah Fant. And uh, Fant's going into his, uh, what is this, his third season? Um, or, or maybe this is, no, he's going into his fourth. Um, so that would put him at that 3.2 full years of uh, time in the NFL. And that is when we see tight ends break out. So I will say if Noah Fant's going to do it, it's going to be this season, um, especially if the Seahawks do trade away either Lockett or DK. So I, I don't mind uh, plugging in Noah Fant. Yeah, you know, as as an Iowa fan, this hurts to say, but I think Noah Fant's just a better athlete than he is like a football player or just a better athlete than he is a tight end he just he always goes down on first contact um and just seeing a guy that that big and that athletic that that's always the case is kind of interesting um i guess i'm just not too thrilled about what's going to go on seattle the quarterback position the offense he's he's really going to have to do it in garbage time like he's going to have to get a bunch of targets in garbage because i don't think the touchdown opportunities are going to be there um so and and maybe seattle does take a quarterback in this draft and maybe they have some early success you know i'm not ruling it out as much as I thought the Texans were going to be the worst offense probably, and the worst team in the league last year, they still found a way to f- win four games. And they, and uh, uh, Davis Mills had some pretty good games himself. So all that possibility is there. I am worried about Justin Fields, though. Uh, I do think that, you know, especially living in Chicago and kind of hearing a little bit more chatter, 
I, I don't know what they're going to go direction in the draft. I, I don't know. And they didn't make too many signings in free agency. It sounds like they're kind of trying to do a rebuild on the fly. So I don't know how that bodes for fields. And we kind of talked about before, like, is there a possibility that it could be, you know, the bears could have a top five pick next year. And then they have a dilemma of, do we trade fields? Do we draft this quarterback? So that could be a situation. Um, but all in all, it, it's a really good team. Cause even if that situation does happen with fields, him getting fancy points with those legs, just it sets that bar so high as far as like a, you know, like an average, especially paired with a guy like Josh Allen that, you know, is going to put up top weekly performances, almost every, uh, a top performance almost every week. So yeah, this, this team is fun. I think Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver one in dynasty. So the fact that he's got the QB one, the wide receiver one, awesome depth, like Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Iuke, Justin Jefferson, he, he's got some ballers on the team for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think from drafting out that 101, <clears throat> it's always nice to get that early pick. But then you usually see uh, people in that position kind of reach at at uh, other spots. So I think I think you did a great job putting that roster together with a lot of strong veterans. Um, so moving on to team number ten, we've got uh, the industry grade uh, number ten, a movable OBJ. And then in the mock draft, we saw Spiller go. So I'm actually, I'm not anti-spiller like a lot of people are. I think that's been kind of a cool thing to do. Um, but I think if Spiller goes in the second round, uh, like he's been mocked to, even if it's to a team like the Texans, I think just based off volume, I think he's going to be easily in, in every week play. And he's got the opportunity to, to definitely grow into a better role. Um, are you anti-spiller or would you mind taking him at the, the end of the first round in a rookie draft? That's probably where I'm going to start to think about taking him. Like I obviously want the top two running backs. Uh, I want Malik Willis. I'm probably going to want at least one or if not two more quarterbacks and then the big five wide receivers. So end of the first being the second is where I'm starting to think about where to take him. He has fallen a lot and, you know, kind of similar to David Bell. It seems like it's only because of athleticism. But at the same time, athleticism matters more for, at the running back position than it does at the wide receiver position. Uh, and the fact that he's going to get the draft capital, I think it's going to be pretty tough to not. I, I If he falls before like the middle of the second round in a rookie draft, you have to take him just on draft capital and his collision profile alone. Because even if he turns out to be you know a, a bigger Clyde Edwards-Alaire, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire still had some value. It held up, especially at the running back position. Yeah, I like that CEH comp. That's, yeah, I, I think that's a good point. Um, so uh, team number 10, at movable OBJ. He's got uh, Russ Wilson with the Broncos, uh, running backs. He's got Swift and Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, but I love his wide receiver, Corey. He's got Diggs and Waddle. And then Dawson Knox at tight end. And then Mooney and KJ Osborne at wide receiver. So, a little bit weaker at flex, depending on how you feel about Mooney. Uh, but those wide receivers, I think he's got two guys that are going to be top 10 for at least the next three to four years. Uh, and DeAndre Swift, things could really only go up for him. But Ramondre Stevenson, I would definitely be concerned about playing him um, on a week-to-week basis. So looking ahead at his uh, rookie picks, he does have the 107 uh, and the 201 and the 203. So if he's able to squeeze out some uh, production out of those incoming rookies, I think he could still be competitive this season. Uh, 
looking at his team, since my brother and I do have the 101, I have been considering uh, trying to go after his his quarterback. Since, but he's only got one, so he's probably not looking to move him away. But uh, what do you think somebody would need to add to the 101 in Superflex to try to get Russell Wilson? Or do you think the 101 is pretty close? I think – especially with the hype of him going to Denver uh, and actually being on a team that seems like they're going to trust him to throw the ball more. I think you do have to add on to the one-on-one when he was still in Seattle. I think you probably could have got it done straight up. It, it's always tough with a quarterback. I, I would say probably the most realistic one would be some sort of like starter. Like I would start with the receiver because that's the production that's easiest to replace. So if I could trade Russell Wilson and um, like a Chase Claypool or a Juju, I would try to like maybe start there uh, and see if we can get it done. Because when you when you get into running backs, it's either a very clear starter that they want, or even if it's a guy like Alexander Madison or Tony Pollard or A.J. Dillon, like these high-end handcuffs that have a built-in role, it's so tough to trade those guys away because they, they're one injury away from possibly being top five at the position. So it's tough for me to give that away. Um, you could also throw in like an early, uh, you know, early-ish second as well. I think I'd get it done. Honestly, if it was me, uh, I mean, the second round, I think, is going to be very flat this year. I Obviously, there are going to be some more desirable guys in the beginning versus the end of the second round. But I think in general, if I had the 208, I'm not dying to trade up to the 202 unless a guy like truly falls like four or five spots. Like I think it's going to be roughly the same kind of prospect. Oh, yeah. I, I, and I think that's been kind of the consensus. So the, the last few months, I've actually been just packaging pieces just to slowly creep up into that second round because I think – once we see landing spots and everything, there's going to be a lot of guys at the 201 and the 202 that, that people are going to be wishing that they were able to have fall to them. But yeah, I, I agree. Back at the 208, I think uh, it, there's definitely not going to be as much excitement. But the, overall, I, I think this roster, if they hit on that 107, they're going to be competitive. Um, otherwise, we might see uh, Mooney be replaced as far as being that wide receiver one. Um, and then Dawson Knox has a little bit of competition at tight end um, out in Buffalo as well. So did you have any other thoughts on this roster? Yeah, I am curious that you think Waddle is like a top 10 dynasty receiver. I guess he's pretty close to me for that. Well, what do you think about him for this year with Tyreek Hill still there? Because I, it's just, oh, yeah. I think it's hard for I, I me think... to imagine that, you know, I, I do think that Tua has kind of gotten a bad rep so far in the NFL, especially when I think it was his rookie year, they're, kept starting between him and Ryan Fitzpatrick that I hated that whole scenario and how that kind of started up. I don't know if that was a Flores decision or if that was kind of the part of the, the losing game situation that he was kind of alluding to and soon the NFL about, but yeah, like for this year, are, are you confident with Waddle being your wide receiver one in a redraft? Yeah, I, I am because what Waddle did last season was on a pretty bland um, Dolphins offense and he, he did it without any, gigantic plays I'd, I'd be really interested to see what his longest reception on the season was but when Waddle was drafted he, we all thought about his blazing speed uh it's obviously similar to what Tyree Kill can do but he did it all as a PPR guy basically just copying what Jarvis Landry did in his time in Miami so I think Tyree Kill is actually going to open things up for Waddle and I know you can always make that argument like do you want the guy who's the only receiver on the team or do you want the guy on a good team that has another guy across from opening things up? And I think this is going to allow for uh, 
much more efficiency from Waddle's catches. So instead of him going and getting seven catches for 60 yards, I think we could see him get four catches for 150 yards and a touchdown or two. So I think I think it's only good things for Waddle uh, with Tyree Kill being there. So uh, moving on to uh, team number 11 in our industry league, we've got Team Pappy 1009. And then um, at the mock draft, we took at number 11, Rashad White. Um, and that kind of closes out our uh, our running backs before we start taking quarterbacks. Um, do you like Rashad White at the end of the first, or is he more of a early second round rookie pick to you? I, I do like Rashad White uh, the first. Uh, I again, it's going to come down to draft capital, but I think there's some pretty strong indications that he's going to be taken anywhere from middle of the second round to early third round. Uh, so that's that's pretty good draft capital for a running back, and obviously landing spot is going to be a little more dependent for a running back position as well. But I think he's he's a really solid prospect, and especially in in this year's class, he's kind of like the top of this like group of like four to five, at least for me right now. So there is a good chance that he could fall back a couple spots, at least for running back ranking. Um, but yeah, if you're going to kind of getting close to closing out the first round and you need a running back, especially when those big top five wide receivers aren't there, I'm going to hop on Rashad White. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's exactly how I feel too. So with uh, team number 11, Pappy 1009, uh, quarterback, he's got Zach Wilson and Matt Ryan. Running backs, he comes in super strong with CMC and Dalvin. Uh, wide receivers, in, in my opinion, pretty strong too with Tyreek and Mike Williams. Uh, Robert Tanyan, who he could quietly be a super productive tight end uh, with the backers, just knowing that Rodgers loves him. And then at the flex, he's actually got Saquon and Cordero Patterson. So I think this is another one of those teams where we could see that pendulum swing in one way or another. If, if Matt Ryan just totally balls out uh, in India, in Indianapolis, which could definitely happen if Zach Wilson takes a step forward. Um, I, I think we could see this team coming in and making an impact, obviously with those pass catching running backs. And then Mike Williams is a wide receiver. I've been going out and getting in trades. So I, I mentioned on my last show, I traded away T Higgins for Mike Williams and the 110. Um, but Mike Williams really quietly put together almost exact uh, production as T Higgins. Um, and then at the 110 in the super flex leagues, there, there's a couple of players that would be comfortable taking there, um, especially with Mike Williams going to be with Justin Herbert at least the next three seasons. Uh, but any players or anything stand out to you on this roster? Yeah, uh, I think as a T Higgins owner real quick, I probably wouldn't go through that trade, but I do think that he has probably reached his top value. Like, I, th I think he's most consensus. He's at least top 10, if not a top five dynasty receiver. And if we all think that Chase is going to continue to improve, like he's going to quickly become the very clear number two option. And we kind of saw the Bengals, even though they trusted Joe Burrow more in the second half with that knee and throwing more, I do think that uh, Zach Taylor wants to run the ball. So we're not going to see, I don't think, too many 40, 50, 60, you know, pass attempt games from Burrow. So I, I do have... Like, I, I'm definitely willing to take offers for Higgins, and I'm definitely willing to cash out now on him. Um, and I don't think Mike Williams plus, you know, a first is, is a bad offer at all. I think I would just probably want, like, a more solidified guy. Yeah, this this team, is it looks like a like a, like an auction draft team. It's like a true studs and duds. Like, being able to have McCaffrey, Cook, and Barkley, if you think, like, two years ago, that, that would have been, like, just an insane running back core that would probably want to make some teams quit. 
Um, obviously, those guys have changed in value a little bit now, uh, especially because of injury. Um, I this is kind of this is a perfect team that I kind of wish with the rankings you had a little bit of a range because I do think that the Pabby could easily be a championship contender. I also think that he's could be one to two injuries away from being the one one next year. Like that, I think that's how volatile his team is, especially if you kind of look at his bench. There's really not anybody that's really standing out besides, you know, maybe Robbie Anderson, maybe Kenny Galladay. Um, Daniel Jones being a third quarterback helps too. But I just don't think Patterson's going to replicate the season that he had either. So it's anytime that you could potentially be looking at, you know, five points or less at starting positions or, you know, having these guys hurt and no one to turn to on the bench. It does make me a little concerned. So, yeah, again, it's just a wide range on Pappy. And I'm actually kind of happy I own his 2023 first because even if, listen, if, if his team stays healthy and he's on there and ends up being a back-end first, you know what happens. But at least he has the range and, and, and the outcomes that, you know, if one or two of these guys get banged up or kind of fall short of expectations, this could be a team that, you know, starts to put a kind of a nasty losing streak together. Yeah, well, and the nice thing about having the running backs like he has, so if we see Saquon kind of be Saquon again, or Delvin be Delvin again, or CMC be CMC again, I think he kind of got all three of them at their floor. And if if two or three out of those three come back and produce like they were producing, then he could actually trade them away to kind of move up um, in value in some of those or, or get a... I don't know, get like a Dobbins in a first or something like that for, for Saquon. Or, so it, it gives them a lot of flexibility buying those players at their floor, um, even Matt Ryan. But, yeah, you, you just have to wonder if if they don't move back up, what could that team look like? But at least those running backs, they're all young enough that they shouldn't hit a cliff anytime soon in the next year or yeah, two. I, I would say the only way that their value gets lower is if they do have like a, a season-ending injury or if for some reason they get replaced by running back on their own team. Those are the only two things I think would make their value much lower than what they are right now. So I, I do agree with that. I think he got good value, but both of those scenarios are unfortunately kind of real possibilities given these running backs and their injury history. So again, I, oh, oh yeah. It, it, every, every year we see one of those running backs that we love get replaced to a year too early in our opinion. Yeah. Oh, the Todd Gurley. That, that's the one that price things the most, but Exactly. Well, uh, moving on, we got three more teams um, in our mock draft at number 12. We took Corral and then our industry grade number 12. We have Cornell Holgad. And I will say with these bottom three teams, we do have a reason for these rankings. So we can get into that, too. Um, I've seen a handful of mocks of Corral going to um, Seattle. And then I actually saw a couple of him going to Detroit. So it's looking like he could be the last quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. Between the teams you've seen, where do you think Corral is? Yeah, lands? I think the last pick with the Lions is, is a, a pretty good call. I actually do think he gets taken before then. Uh, I think that the Saints is a possibility. I think uh, it's tough because I don't know how Pittsburgh feels about him, but I don't. I think that Pittsburgh really thinks they're going to get Malik Willis at 20. And I don't think he's going to fall that far. So I think him and Pickett could be some backup options. But again, we talk about the possibility of Pickett and his, he has kind of a wide range. He, he Pickett could go six to Carolina. 
I could also see him dropping out of the first round into like the middle of the second round. Um, so I would I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Matt Corral go to the Lions. I already talked about being a favorable favorable landing spot for Malik Willis. Um, Saints I think would be interesting just because with Dennis Allen taking over now, uh, it's just weird because it seems like they're almost trying to compete again, even though they're in cap hell and they are gonna have to let, start letting some guys go. Um, yeah, it's he he's. He's a guy that was like almost a consensus top three pick uh, back in like uh, October, November during the co- the college football season. And I think just because of the injury, he's really fallen off. So I think he's a guy that could definitely have some sneaky value. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. And so, so with this team, uh, number 12, Cornhole God. So the reason his team is so low is because we didn't have anything in the scoring system for, uh, draft picks and so it it's it's a little entertaining to go over how many picks he drafted for this upcoming uh rookie draft so i'll kind of go through his team briefly but then we'll talk about those picks so even though he he spent the majority of his startup picks taking rookie picks he was still able to walk out with joe burrow jk dobbins travis etn uh rashad bateman christian kirk and then he got lucky he took he took tom brady uh, when everybody else was afraid to, and then Brady came out of retirement uh, the following week. So those, that's kind of the core of his players. But then this draft, he's got the 102, the 104, the 105, the 106, the 108, the 110, the 111, the 112, the 202, 206, and the 302. So he's going to be drafting a lot of rookies that are going to be asked to perform right away uh, in a class that some people want to argue isn't very strong. Um, but I think the the first round picks are going to be just fine. So from his starting lineup, I would say he, he's he got Tyler Conklin at tight end, so he's going to want to do something about that. And then uh, MVS is stepping into those Byron Pringle targets, in my opinion, in uh, Kansas City. So I, I don't think he's going to be a league winner by any means. And then Kendrick Bourne, he quietly was productive for New England last season. So these guys aren't throwaway picks at all, but they definitely want to be replaced. So uh, what what position would you be prioritizing with that 102 pick that he has? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for him is this is obviously kind of like a uh, productive struggle team. So if I'm him, I'm just picking the best player available because I'm not competing for this year. And but the biggest thing I want to do is I, I don't want to draft all these picks. I don't. I, I definitely want to move on from it. I would say, man, I would say I, if I was him, I would really want to obviously not trade for pennies on the dollar or anything. I'd really probably want to move on from at least three, if not four or five of these picks just to get some veteran team. So he can put, put himself in a position for next year to win because I think by drafting all of them, you're, you're going to almost feel like you can't let any of them go. And if that's the case, you're going to kind of eat the sunken value on some of these guys that are going to be somewhat clear bus even after year one. Um, so I think those are the, should be the biggest priorities. Yeah, obviously is a pretty big weakness at tight end. Um, running back, he needs depth. Uh, Brady, he has to decide because it sounded like he maybe wanted to try to compete now that he has Brady, which I'm so annoyed because I was so close to taking him around before and I took Sony Michelle instead. I don't even like Sony Michelle, but I took Sony Michelle and I was like, I should, I, I knew Brady was coming back. Ah, oh, man. 
we were all playing Tom Brady chicken and he was the one who, who jumped on him. But uh, yeah, I, again, the biggest thing for him, I think is just taking best player available, but also either try to convert some of these first into future firsts or convert them into some veterans. Like, cause it, you're just putting too much volatility on this draft class by drafting all those guys. Yeah. Well, Levi, we're, we're recording the day before the NFL draft. I'll let you in on a secret. He's, he's not trading away any of these rookie picks. <laughs> well, no, I, I, that would be my guess. If I if I was holding all these picks, it would be very hard. Maybe to hold maybe them it's a sports better in me that's always looking to hedge a big win. Uh, that I want to minimize risk because that that is the risk you take. And I and I've seen so many teams do this too in other previous leagues. And yeah, it can work. Like last year's draft class, twenty twenty, the twenty seventeen class. Yeah, if if you have a lot of those picks, yeah, you might miss on a couple, but you might hit big on a lot of them. I get it. I do. Um, and I do think that he is kind of writing an article right about this this draft strategy. I think he was talking about as well. Um, so and maybe he's doing it for the sake of that. And if that's the case, you know, kudos to him. But I just always think it's it's better to always hedge some of your risk and not just put all your faith into this class because it, more times than not, it's not going to work in your favor. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with that. And that, that's why we, we had to have a little bit of debate on whether or not we took that 101 and we did. And then we took the 103 to give us flexibility to counterbalance whatever we do at the 101. But even with that, I mean, you you got to reach on those picks, and they're they're nothing. They're absolutely not a sure thing. I, we could see both Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis be a bust. So, but we we don't play dynasty just to play it safe. We we like to call our shots and get our guys. So I, I respect uh, him actually stepping out and doing that. So our next team. Um, at number 13, we had Scotch Fanatic, and then our mock draft pick was uh, Ritter at 13. Uh, so I'll just say with Ritter, I've seen mocks of him going to Atlanta, and I would love that. I think that'd be a really good transition. Uh, and then if they use their second round pick to get a, a wide receiver, I think that could make Atlanta even more of a, a nice destination for a quarterback to come in behind Mariota, maybe just take the entire season off. Otherwise, if Mariota gets hurt like he typically does, then Ritter could step in and and be be the superhero. So uh, I think getting Ritter with the 13th pick in a super flex league, I think that's a steal uh, just with the upside that he's going to present. So with uh, team num- number 13, Scotch Fanatic, so the reason he's ranked 13th out of 14th is because he actually has three – I think top 10 quarterbacks, but the model only takes into account the starting lineup. So um, it can only put in those two. So he has Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Deshaun Watson. Uh, Running back, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams. Wide receiver, he's got both of Mr. Unlimited's guys. He's got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. And then O.J. Howard at tight end. And at flex, Hollywood and Chenault. Um, So... Knowing, knowing why he scored so low because of the, the quarterback factor, what are your thoughts on this roster? Yeah, I think as long as he is able to get some value for those quarterbacks, like if he can trade a Trubisky, if he can trade, because I, I just don't think you want to keep three of those top-end uh, assets like that, especially when you can't start them every week. I think that would be like the same as like a like traditional two running back, one flex league, and you have like five stud running backs. It's kind of like you're, you're – 
kind of having a lot of points on your bench that you can't convert to your starting lineup. So I think as long as he is able to, you know, either he's productive struggling or able to kind of move one of those guys to make his, his starting lineup better, this is a dangerous team, uh, especially with Deshaun Watson. We have no idea. A lot of people think he's going to get some sort of suspension, probably like six, eight games. I I could honestly see a possibility where he doesn't serve as a suspension. I can also see a, something where he doesn't play the entire year. Um, but at least his quarterbacks would be able to handle that. Um, I do like the Denver duo. I like Sutton more than Judy. Uh, I like AJ Dillon quite a bit as well. Obviously he has some holes to kind of fill on his roster and not too many guys on his bench. I'm too crazy about, but I do like Elijah Moore. I do like, um, uh, the other Herbert, Cleo Herbert as well. Um, Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, I missed Elijah yeah. Moore on his bench. So yeah, I think so. if you you put a plug in Elijah Moore for Lavisca Chenault, I think that that team looks even better. And yeah, they're they're scary. They definitely don't deserve to be this far on this list. But obviously, you kind of explained why that is. And if he's able to trade one of those quarterbacks for even like ninety cents on the dollar, according to market value, he he's going to be a true contender. So I I think in the chat when he took Watson, he, he was mentioning if if Watson comes back and he plays. He, he's the type of player you could get three firsts for. And I, I last season, I did a trade with him in a two QB league because uh, I was desperate for a third quarterback. And so before the season started, I trade away two firsts for Zach Wilson. Um, and I think that's the most I've given up for a quarterback before. Um, obviously, Watson, if he comes back and he's Deshaun Watson, he's going to be worth more than what Zach Wilson is worth with Zach Wilson's limited showings. What do you what do you think he could get for Watson? Assuming he'd rather trade Watson than uh, than Herbert or Dak, if if Herbert and Dak are going to be his two guys, what do you think a team in here might actually trade for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, it's it's so tough because he's obviously going to a more run first team, um, and he's playing in a tough division. Like three first is probably right. Um, assuming that Trubisky kind of eventually gets replaced or the Steelers draft a quarterback, he's probably going to want to downgrade Watson to like, you know, maybe say like a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, like maybe someone along those lines that seems like he's going to be a starter for the next two to four years, but isn't going to be an elite guy and then probably get draft picks or like proven players. Something on top like that is if I was him, that's the kind of the trade I'd be looking to make. Yeah. Cause at, at this point with this starting lineup, He'd probably want <clears throat> want to get at least another running back or two, and then a flex spot. So he's he's really just two or three pieces away from uh, making noise every single week. So if he can find a team where he can, yeah, honestly, it, it might just be fun if if Watson does come back and and he's looking to compete this season. It, instead of trading for picks, it might just be fun to find a team out there that's got the depth and go get a running back, get a wide receiver, and get a tight end. Um, if, if somebody can, can give that up and if they don't have, um, the quarterbacks on the roster that they like. So yeah, it, it'll be, it'll be fun to see which one of those quarterbacks gets moved and how much they get moved for. Um, cause yeah, like you said, it doesn't do a, a whole lot of good on, on a team. If, if you've got studs, but you can't play them every week. Um, so moving on to the 14th team, uh, friend of the show or Houston Texans insider, Nick. Um, N. Gonzalez 08 comes in at number 14. And then at number 14, we also have Zamir White. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of mocks of where Zamir White goes. Are there any teams that you can think of that his skill set might be best used at? 
It's a good question. Um, there's actually some hype about him possibly being one of the first running backs taken off the board. So I actually, I think it was like plus 8,000 somewhere. I put five bucks on it because it seemed, does seem like the NFL likes him more than like the fantasy community likes him. Um, it's just hard not to pick like the cliche running back spots like Tampa, the Buffalo Bills. I think the Eagles are a sneaky spot too. I, I think a team kind of along those lines, obviously the 49ers are always going to be in that conversation as well, even though they took two running backs last year. Um, maybe Seattle again, I'm just too hesitant just because I think Seattle is going to, is kind of a dumpster fire right now. So, uh, not knowing the quarterback and their tendencies to throw the running back. I, I don't know how badly I want even a rookie running back on a really bad team. Um, but yeah, I would say one of those handful of teams I think would, would be good, especially once we get more information as the off season moves along. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to have to waste our time talking about landing spots next time we talk. Cause We'll get to see where all these guys go. Um, but so looking at uh, Nick's team, he's got Davis Mills at quarterback. And I think he, he got Davis Mills pretty late. And then he also got Mariota, who's starting. Um, and then Hunter Henry, who I think quietly, he could actually be an extremely productive tight end for a number of years still. He was one of my favorites last season. I was calling for him to outproduce Jonu, um, which, which he did do. But he wasn't winning anybody championships. But if they get a few more weapons um, out in New England, then we could see Hunter Henry getting, get a little bit more open up in the middle of the field. But the reason why Nick's team is so low is because he was the one trading away and selling out for those 23 picks. So he has seven uh, first rounders in 2023 and then a handful of seconds. So if if we live in a world where Mariota is starting and Davis Mills is starting. Um, if if he keeps Hunter Henry in as his tight end, then he'd be looking at needing to address six starting spots, but he'd have seven 2023 firsts uh, to help plug in any of those uh, gaps that aren't at the quarterback position. So do you, do you think he's got any chance of competing after the 2023 draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and also too, I feel like if, He's going to try his best to trade those guys as well. Like any anybody who's a viable starter, uh, this is obviously a clear full re, you know rebuild that's going to take two to three years. Um, I think he can start competing in 2024 for sure. I do believe in the 2023 class. I think it's going to be I, I, it's starting to now kind of get a little overhyped, but I feel like it's going to adjust just because there is going to be a decent amount of depth. I don't think there's going to be depth like there is this year's class. I think that is the one thing that as much as we, you know, talk down about this class and there's like very few true studs. Like there's kind of like Brees Hall and then a bunch of like back end, uh, kind of like first round picks in most years that are kind of getting moved up there. I think next year's class could easily have like a, be like a 2021 class where you have a decent amount of running backs. You have a couple stud quarterbacks and then you have some really solid wide receivers. I don't know if there's really a tight end prospect that's worth talking about, at least at this point. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's kind of his plan because he, he doesn't want his team to be good this year because he wants his pick to be the one-on-one. Yeah, no, that, that's fair enough. There are a couple of good tight ends. Um, I'm, I'm spacing on their names right now, but that's because I'm I'm praying that Jeremy Ruckert falls to me in the third round of every draft I'm in this season. Um, so I've been focusing more on on these rookies uh, for this, this uh, class. So I've kept you on here pretty long, but we had one other – um idea that you came up with is coming up with kind of a later pick and the best landing spot for them 
So uh, I'll, I'll share Tom's first since he's not here, but he's uh, pounding the drum for his son Haskins and he wants him to go to the Chargers. And I could totally see that happening because the Chargers have every year now since uh, Eckler's been the starter, they've tried to find that big back to compliment him. And they haven't really been able to hit that pick. Um, funny enough, it, it, it always ends up being Justin Jackson, who's the most productive, and he's probably the most likeliest of um, – he's the most similar to Eckler. Um, so they, they've been trying to find that big back, so that might be a good fit. Um, but who's who's the player that you'd like to see in, uh, land in a certain spot? Yeah, I'm going to go with a hometown guy. Uh, Tyler Goodson from Iowa, I think – you know, any running back that goes to the Niners, like I talked about before, I think would be amazing. I also think it'd be a really good fit for, you know, the Bills, Eagles, even, even the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are kind of a, a sneaky landing spot destination, especially because I highly doubt they're going to pick up the fifth-year option on CEH. Maybe they can work out a team-friendly deal if he plays decent this year. But yeah, but Goodson and the Niners, I mean, he, he just, and Matt Kelly did did say this kind of on his podcast a couple weeks ago too. So, But to be fair, I've been watching him play for the last three years, and I've always thought he was kind of underrated he is a little undersized but he can he can catch the ball he can bounce it outside I think he is he just screamed Shanahan running back and I do think he can succeed in other systems as well and although he didn't have this best season this past year Iowa for the first time probably I mean I've been watching them play since 2002 they probably had their worst offensive line this year uh, that I can at least remember watching Uh, so I don't try to hold this season against him because I do think if they had like their classic, you know, one of the best offensive lines in the Big Ten, I think Goodson could have easily had three to four hundred more rushing yards or just you know yards from scrimmage, and he'd be getting some day two buzz for sure. So, Goodson, Niners, match made in heaven. Yeah, I, I would love to see that. I, I definitely haven't spent enough time uh, learning about Tyler Goodson, so I, I was happy you brought him up uh, before our rookie draft. So, but the one guy that stands out to me is. Tyler Batty, um, and one of my favorite players I like to talk about that I just totally missed on with previous first-round picks was Justice Hill. But Tyler Batty, to me, he just seems like a beefed-up version of Justice Hill. And the the Ravens, are they're obviously looking for a running back to just complement their, their team. At, at this point, I don't think they want just a workhorse guy. And with Lamar Jackson's contract coming up, they're obviously not looking for somebody that they're going to have to pay. Um, and they, they brought in Melvin Gordon uh, for a workout. So clearly they don't think that J.K. Dobbins is 100% ready to go. And um, we, we saw Devonta Freeman be productive with them, just doing one cut and just um, going up the middle of the defense. And that's what a lot a lot of the Tyler Batty stuff, it's not so much what he's doing out in space, but it's just that one cut and just going through the offensive line and making defenders miss. Uh, he's, he's really hard to bring down. So I think he would fit that system uh, extremely well. And I wouldn't be surprised if Baltimore took him in like the fifth or the sixth. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit early. He, Batty could easily be an undrafted guy, but I think Baltimore wants somebody with that skill set. So they might reach a little early on him just so that, that they have a healthy back. Uh, that brings that speed and that toughness before they go into the um, the off season or before they go into the regular season. Yeah. Especially with both uh, Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins being hurt. Like you said, they, they definitely need to add someone to the roster. I know Melvin Gordon visited them. I think Darius Geis actually even visited them as well. Uh, a little blast from the past. 
Um, so yeah, they're they're gonna add somebody to this roster. Whether it's it's you know during the draft, if they don't see anybody they like, they'll probably hit up a couple free agents as well. So yeah, I I like that call, and I do think it's it's a sneaky ad too, um, because there's a decent chance that you know even though they both got hurt so early in the year, there, there's a decent chance that one if not both of them might not be 100% week one. Uh, I do think that they both play week one, but they might not get their full work share or, you know, work workload. And if that's the case, there's going to be room for a third running back. And you're going to want that third running back on the Ravens offense behind that offensive line with um, Lamar Jackson in the backfield too. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, Hey, I appreciate you spending a couple hours with me um, going over this. Yeah. I, I'm really excited to see where these guys land. So next time we talk, we, we don't have to make any guesses. Um, any closing thoughts before uh, we get yeah, out of here? Actually, so we were we were in a in a league together at one point, a dynasty league, and I actually just made a trade um, two days ago, and I'm kind of curious what you think about it. So I had a, st- a stacked running back core. This was in the uh, super patron league, the player profiler. Uh, I had a super stacked running back core of Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, and Alvin Kamara, but my wide receivers were like DK Metcalf. Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, uh, Antonio Brown, like a lot of guys that like Rondell Moore and Devontae Smith are my only other like kind of true starters. And we start five wide receivers in that league. So I went around and shopped the 101 because I, I had the 101 because I was the last team that didn't make the playoffs. That's how this league is set up. And I was like, hey, I'm, if anybody can trade me starting wide receivers, I'm willing to give up. And sure enough, I got someone to send me Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Cooks, and Marquise Brown for the 101 Jarvis Landry and Zay Jones. Now, again, this is a trade that normally I would love the Brees Hall side, but given how my team makeup, I mean, yeah, I could start Brees Hall at flex, but starting Brees Hall at flex and then having to start guys like that I'm very uncertain about, like Zay Jones and Jarvis Landry at my starting wide receiver spot, I just thought that, and it kind of goes back to your model, that I, I needed wide receiver core and I needed it desperately. And also with my running backs, I, I need to win now. Like I couldn't like draft Brees Hall, kind of see how the season goes. Like, no, like with guys like Brees Hall and, and Jonathan Taylor and Swift and Kamara, like that that's a win now team. You gotta kind of push your chips in. So it wasn't a guy a trade I wanted to do, but I thought it was kind of a smart move. I'm kind of curious what you think. Yeah, I I like that move. And part of the reason so I mentioned that trade where I trade away Higgins for Williams in the 110. Every year we just see so much variance with these wide receivers and, and where they finish. So getting a guy like Brandon Cooks in that trade and getting a guy like Brandon Ayuk, there, there's more than enough possibilities that they could have uh, just a really safe floor every week, but they could also finish inside the top 15, and that wouldn't surprise anybody. We see Brandon Cooks do it all the time, and then the second half of last season, we saw Ayuk really consistently uh, be a deep threat. And then in the playoff uh, games, especially the the one against the Cowboys, I think Ayuk – that that's where he was doing a lot of stuff outside and deep. And that was with, with Garoppolo, um, who he, I, I think Garoppolo played a great game that, um, uh, that particular game. Um, but it, he, especially if Debo leaves, I mean, you're getting IUK at the cost of a low end wide receiver too, in that particular trade. And he could very easily be a, a one. So I, I like that deal for you, especially with the makeup of that team. So nice move. So, well, I appreciate you making the time. Uh, good luck to your Bears not uh, trading into the first round pick this year. So I hope you get to enjoy um, everything else that the draft brings. 
Um, and I appreciate you putting up with my raspy voice as I get healthy. Uh, tell next, and uh, congratulations to my my brother uh, and his his beautiful wife and their their baby girl coming. Uh, prayers out to them, and I, I hope they're making today special. So until next time, keep it flexy.